Episode 14, Reviving the Foundations with Arlene Helms. Welcome to the Principles and Practice Podcast. This is where we discuss biblical principles for life and learning. I'm your host, Heather Hall, and this is my co-host, Brian Hall. Well, everyone, today we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Arlene Helms. Arlene is a veteran homeschooling mother who lives with passion for her faith, family, and our country's founding principles. She serves her local community and her national network through speaking engagements, hosting events, consultations, and maintaining active social media channels to encourage informed dialogue about topics such as homeschooling, family life, history, health, and education policy. Married for 38 years with two married children, Arlene enjoys gardening and taking pictures of sunsets over nearby Lake Michigan. After the birth of her first beloved grandchild, she gained the titles of Mamie and Nanogram. These might be her favorite titles and vocation yet. Arlene, welcome to the Principles in Practice podcast. Thank you, Heather. What a pleasure to be with you today. Well, we appreciate the opportunity. Well, we are very thankful you are joining us and you have a very special message on your heart for parents today. I'm handing the floor over to you so you can share that message. Thank you, Heather. Um, homeschooling has been the joy of not only my life, but of the life of our my husband and our family. And in this day where we are today, where there are so many people that are really being forced in a way to homeschool their children. I know that there are a lot of people out there who have a lot of questions. And what I want to do today is I just want to go through more of a simple um, piece to consider all of these pieces that I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about the who, what, where, when, how, and why we homeschool. And so I'm going to go into just a snippet because each one of these questions as to who, what, where, when, how, and why can be elaborated on. So we're going to break it up. So I would like to start with who's responsible for the education of our children. And is it the teachers? Is it the, um, the Federal Department of Education? Is it, so we've, we've expanded over the years on what education, uh, who is responsible for the education um, of our children. But I would like to show you from Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Now, I'm going to keep putting a few plugs in for different um, people or Um, pieces of material that are going to help you with your homeschool. So Noah Webster was the father of American education and scholarship. You may know him as the author of the American 1828 Dictionary, and you would be correct. And in Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, now remember, He is considered the father of American education and scholarship. So in his definition of education, this is his definition. 
the bringing up as of a child, instruction, formation of manners. Education comprehends all that series of instruction and discipline, which is intended to enlighten the understanding, correct the temper, and form the manners and habits of youth and fit them for usefulness in future stations. To give children a good education in manners, arts, and science is important. To give them a religious education is indispensable. And an immense responsibility rests on parents and guardians who neglect these duties. So introducing Noah Webster, what I would like to mention to you is Noah Webster was instrumental in the formation of the U.S. Constitution. And you would find in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8 of the U.S. Constitution, what is known as the Copyright Clause. And that empowers the United States Congress to promote and the progress of science and useful arts. Now, it was Noah Webster who was instrumental in having that implemented into the U.S. Constitution. If Noah Webster and the Founding Fathers thought that education should have been at the federal level, they would have put in education at the federal level, and they didn't. And I think that that was very, very wise of them. So I just want to give a little bit of that background because it's important from where we are now, what the founding fathers, what they saw, what they implemented from their understanding of education. Now, and they did use, let's, let's remember this, they did use the Bible as the, the book, if you will, and as their main book for educating at, in the early days before we started having all of the curriculum and what have you. So you can never go wrong by using your Bible as, as the, the book. And I'm, again, we're not going to go into all of the different materials that are out there right now, because that can be several conversations. So I just wanted to introduce you to that. So that is the who, it's the parent's responsibility. And again, Noah Webster was very instrumental and very involved with the formation. And so he did not say that it's the federal government's duty. He did not say that. So let's keep that in mind. So what is the purpose of education? Now, back in 2011, when we had the Secretary of Education, his name was Arnie Duncan, he went around in a big blue bus. And on the bus, it said education and the economy, investing in our future. So I want to take you back again, reviving the foundations with Arlene Helms. We're always going to go back. We're going to look at where we are now, but we're always going to go back. So we're going to go back and we are going to look at what was important in the early days when the pilgrims started Harvard College, okay, in the 1600s, 1642, their motto, if you will, was let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well the main end of his life and studies is 
to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, John 17, 3. And therefore, to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. And seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let everyone seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it of him. Proverbs 2 and 3. So this is where we started when education, what was important to the pilgrim forefathers and what was important to our founding fathers. And then we come forward to 2011. And now we see on the big blue bus that they're seeing education and the economy investing in the future. Well, and we look at where we are now with this coronavirus and a lot of people invested in the economy, but their businesses are not doing well. And what do we need? We need to have faith. And so if we put our minds on the word of God, and if we study the word of God and we go forward in that we have with eternity in mind. Now we live here on this earth now, but if we have eternity in mind, we are not going to be deflated by what is going on around us, by the economy and by the future. So that is another piece of this. So where do we educate? Well, education starts in the home, doesn't it? And many people are not aware that the first form of government that God created is the family. And I had seen in a book written in the 1800s, a superintendent of schools from the state of Maine, which is my home state. And he had in the book, he superintendents used to write, um, actually secretaries of education. I just was looking through a lot of books. Bill Bennett used to be our secretary of education, and he wrote many, many books while he was secretary of education. But superintendents used to write um, books as well. And in this book with this superintendent, he mentions that family is the first form of government. Now, this is a public school superintendent. So even in the 1800s, and on the same page that he mentions that, he also mentions the word obedience, which you don't see that too much today, right? So this is where education was. And so we, it starts in the home. It starts with the mother. It starts with the father. It starts with, well, the grandparents, actually. It starts with the people that came before us, right? But it's never too late to start and to bring God and into our family education as part of our family education. And it's imperative that we do that now more so than, than ever. And so for us, homeschooling, we started homeschooling in our home. My husband had to go out for a job. He didn't know for how long. So we ended up when my daughter was in first grade. We ended up going out to Portland, Oregon for seven weeks. So we homeschooled at the zoo and at the science museums and at the parks and at the Pacific Ocean and the Japanese gardens and 
on and on. We visited so many places. So where do we, where do we educate? We educate wherever we are, wherever the Lord leads us. We are constantly educating. And most of you probably are aware of the verse Deuteronomy 1119. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, you're constantly teaching. But I employ you as educators, as moms and dads to to always be giving God the glory for the sunset, for the sunrise, for the birds, for the flowers, and just for the beauty that surrounds us. Even in this chaotic world, stop with your children and just look at the beauty, the beauty of the people that he has surrounded you with. You were given, you were put in a particular family, in a particular church, in a particular community, state, and nation. And if you have the chance of traveling abroad, then, you know, blessings to you for that too. But take advantage of the people and the places and the things that are right around you. And when we were homeschooling, we did different interviews. We did different field trips. When I say interviews, we went on field trips and interviewed, whether it's people that work at different stores, um, the hospital, although I guess you wouldn't want to go there today. (laughs) But back then we did go visit the hospital, the stores and the parks and so many places, you know, the police station, the fire station, and and those kinds of things as well. And to see how the community, who is in your community, who makes up your community. So you're homeschooling wherever you are. And outdoors is one of the best places. We used to love to read outside and do nature reading after lunch, we would go outside after lunch and read um, a nature book. And sometimes we would get distracted because we lived at the time in northern New Hampshire in the White Mountains. And there was a time when we were listening to this noise and we weren't familiar with what the noise was. And upon observation and our patience, it was a mother bear teaching her littles to how to climb up a tree (laughs) and they made these little squeaky noises. And so um, take advantage of, of being outside and just even in your own yard, in your own neighborhood. So educating wherever you are. And we also, I do want to add at the time we were very blessed to go and hear many speakers. And I'm talking people like David Barton of Wall Builders. He's a homeschool dad. I'm talking Dr. Paul Jaley of Plymouth Rock Foundation. And um, just to name a few people that we would go and sit and listen to. And they were our teachers. So taking your children to hear speakers who are speaking life into them and who have the history and who have the knowledge. As a home educator, I have to tell you, I was very, I lacked a lot of knowledge about history and about 
how our constitution worked and how it all played, even educating our children. You know, that's, that's really a blessing from the Lord to give us our children, our unique children in our unique family situations, in our unique community, in our unique church and state and nation. So that is the where and the when. And um, reviving the foundations, I'm just going to go there for a minute. Reviving the foundations with Arlene Helms, we focus on Christ and character and the Constitution. And maybe you've heard it said this way before, faith, family, and freedom. And as I was educating my children, I was learning how much I did not know. So if you are feeling like that yourself, you're not alone, every single parent, and I have to say, even teachers themselves who end up homeschooling their children, which many, many do, they say the same thing. So you are not alone and do not feel that you cannot learn yourself. And in your homeschool, you are going to be the biggest learner and And I encourage you to have alacrity when you're learning. I remember getting my Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary and just, it's a big book. And I was so excited and I used it every day. And I was so excited when you came across a word that we didn't know. And I wanted my children to see, and it wasn't because I was genuinely um, excited to use this dictionary and to broaden my horizons and my education And the more excited that you are, the more excited your children will be also. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to jump up and down and ask you for words to look up, but you are your child's first example. So just have alacrity as you are educating your children and don't be down on yourself let your children know that you're in the process of learning along with them. My husband and I learned together so many things. One of the things that I will mention when our daughter was in fourth grade, now we have two children, a son and a daughter, three years apart. When our daughter was in, um, I think it was fourth grade and I was teaching American history. And in the book, it talked about the the Liberty Bell and that there was a a verse on the Liberty Bell. And I had no idea that there was a verse on the Liberty Bell. And I wondered if my husband knew about it and if I wasn't paying attention in school. And he was not aware of that either. And he is a few years older than me. So I thought maybe I didn't know because maybe they had stopped teaching that there was a scripture verse, proclaim liberty throughout the land is the scripture verse, Leviticus 25.10. When I learned this about this verse, I said, I wonder what else I wasn't taught, what else my husband wasn't taught when we were in school. And that really sparked an interest for me to want to know and learn more. And it's interesting because I've spoken in different groups and have led uh, Sunday school classes with adults. And when the, when I've, when I've asked the question, what do you know about the Liberty Bell? Everybody can tell me that there's a crack on the Liberty Bell. And even Christians are not aware that there's a scripture verse on it. And some will raise their hand and say, 
It's in Philadelphia. And I've actually given talks to tea parties and teachers, retired teachers came up to me afterwards and said that there were things that I did in my presentation that I taught them in my presentation that they were not aware of and they're retired teachers. Now, and I'm not saying that any of us are going to know and have the knowledge of everything that's out there. That's impossible. That's no, don't even try that. And don't even think that I'm saying that. But there are some things that we ought to be aware of. And personally, I believe that learning about the history of liberty and learning about the Liberty Bell, should we not learn that the Liberty Bell has a scripture verse on it and not just a crack? So, so that's one of the things with reviving the foundations is to bring back and to revive what has been lost. And so then how, how do we teach? So we are blessed by FACE Foundation for American Christian Education. And they have been around long before Facebook. Um, FACE is uh, an organization based out of Chesapeake, Virginia right now. And again, that's a whole introduction and a whole uh, different topic for another day. But one of the things that FACE is doing is bringing back the principal approach. And they teach the four R's. And perhaps that's something new to you. The four R's are research, reason, relate, and record. And I was introduced to FACE in October of 1998, which would have meant that my daughter would have been 12 and my son would have been eight years old. So I, again, I told you I was in the, in the learning curve. So I was, I was intimidated by using the four R's that you had to research, that you had to reason, that you had to relate and then record. And what does that mean? To, to do those um, reason, relate, uh, research, reason, relate, and record. When you're researching, you're looking up words that you don't know in the 1828 dictionary. And I encourage you, there is an app online uh, that you can get for the 1828 dictionary. I will warn you that they don't have, when there's a quote, they'll use a quote at the end of a, of a definition, but somehow the author of the quote is not given credit. So you might have a quote from Shakespeare or from Milton or for, from someone. It's just going to have the quote. It's not a quote from Noah Webster. It's, it's a quote from someone else. So that's one flaw in the app. So you do want to have a hard copy in your home. Every family should have it. Every pastor I took a constitution course with um, a Supreme Court justice here in Michigan, Hillsdale College, and I actually had brought my 1828 dictionary with me and he saw it on, on in front of me and he came up to me, put his finger on it. He said, I have that in my office. So everyone should use the 1828 dictionary because the original meanings of words matter and we need to know what the word meant for marriage. Now, even though they want to change what the word means for marriage, 
or of education or law, we still need to, they, they can want to change it, but we really need to stick and stay true to the original intent if we are going to remain a free republic. If we keep changing things, the principles don't change. Now, so you want to get the 1828 dictionary and you can get it at FACE and that would be FACE, F-A-C-E dot net is one of the places. So, so you're going to do, so you're going to research and there's other things in here, but I'm going to try to be brief. You're going to reason, you're going to take the definition of the word and you're going to ask the student to write it in his own words and what the biblical principles are and, and to have them start thinking for themselves. Then they're going to relate. You're going to ask the child to have the, the application of the definition and the principles that are, that are that they're relating to. And with that one, I'm going to say I did have our son. He was nine. I think it was nine. He went to, he was either eight or nine, a four week Saturday mornings for four weeks constitution class. Uh, that was that I invited the National Heritage Center for Constitutional Studies to come and teach a series of, of four weeks from nine to noon to the to our community at our community college. And I didn't know what this young man was going to get out of it, if anything. But one day, a few weeks after these four weeks, and yes, I did give him breaks and I did give him some extra time during the week because he was doing school on Saturdays from nine to noon. And with only adults, his sister was the only other student in there. And he looked up at me one day sitting at the kitchen table doing his schoolwork. He looked out the window. He looked at me. He looked out the window down at his book. And he did this a few times. And then he said to me, give me recess or give me death. And I said, oh, my goodness, you were listening. You did hear what the speaker was saying. And he, to me, he passed the test, right? So he was listening to the words and hopefully all of you understood what, where he was coming from. The quote, give me liberty or give me death by Patrick Henry. And so this is what you're talking about with relating. He could relate to Patrick Henry's quote, give me liberty or give me death. He could relate to that in his own terms. He wanted recess. He just loved being outside. And so then you recording. The recording is the actual writing. So now what we're used to and what I was used to was fill in the blanks. You have the, the teacher book and here's all of the questions and here are the answers. And it's an easy job, right? You, you just look at it. And you just make sure that your child got that right. Well, that's okay. But the founding fathers used this principle approach. They used the four R's and look what they gave us. They gave us two documents, the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution. And there's a thing called the pocket constitution. And I encourage you to get bundles of them and pass them out, at least have some 
pocket constitutions in your home. And they wrote this very succinctly. It wasn't thousands of pages. It's everything that our government, things to do, the things not to do. It's all in this very small written constitution. And then the Declaration of Independence, which is a beautiful document, the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution, the sister documents, they just go hand in hand. And we have to be grateful and thankful for the education that the founding fathers were given. And we need to restore that again. Filling in the blanks isn't working. We need to get this back. So again, without going into all of the details with um, the principal approach. And I did use it somewhat. And, and it was very helpful to me. I have a friend in, in uh, Canada. She used the principal approach. What, what you do is you use a notebook for each subject. And you're applying each subject. You, you're doing timelines. And you're doing all of the, the relating as to the people and the events and the places and the times. And it's just a beautiful thing. And I'm going to ask you not to be afraid of it, but to step into it and to do the hard thing. It's going to help you. It's going to help your children. You will all be better off for it. And so then we have the why. So why do we educate our children? We educate our children for the glory of God. God has given each individual, he has created each individual for a purpose and educating for, again, for the, for the glory of God. I'd like to read to you what in the uh, New England first fruits, and this is outside of Harvard. And if you watch the movie, monumental with Kurt Cameron, which I highly recommend because it talks about forefathers monument. And in this movie monumental, which is about forefathers um, monument in Plymouth, Massachusetts, which Thanksgiving is this month. It's the history of the pilgrim forefathers. And it is a monumental movie to watch. I highly recommend every family sit down and watch this movie. And I will say that this 80 foot granite monument is the largest monument in the world. And students, even in Massachusetts, where this is held, don't know about Forefathers Monument. Not all of the students know. My nieces and nephews went to school in Massachusetts and they were not told or taught about this 82 foot monument to the forefathers. And the history of it is incredible. The monument itself is incredible. And I highly recommend that you look up uh, forefathers monument. I also highly recommend that you connect with um, Dr. Paul Jaley with Plymouth Rock foundation and that would be plym p-l-y-m rock r-o-c-k dot org plymrock.org so getting back to um, outside of harvard in this movie 
Herb Titus, one of um, the people in this in this movie, stands outside the gates of Harvard and he is reading this um, plaque and it says, after God carried us safe to New England and we had builded our houses, provided necessaries for our livelihood, reared convenient places for God's worship and settled the civil government. One of the next things we longed for and looked after was to advance learning and perpetuate it to posterity, dreading to leave an illiterate minister to the churches when our present ministers shall lie in dust. And I know that perhaps this is a lot of information. Hopefully it wasn't too much. Hopefully there's different pieces in here that are, you're going to want to dig into a little bit more. Feel free to connect with me through Reviving the Foundations with um, Arlene Helms on Facebook. And I'd like to leave you with this. William Bradford, Governor William Bradford of Plymouth, Massachusetts, said, and this is this was the last piece just like within 20 years ago, don't quote me on the amount of time, but that was added to Forefathers Monument. It's a quote from William Bradford. And it says this, thus out of small beginnings, greater things have been produced by his hand that made all things of nothing and gives being to all things that are. And as one small candle may light a thousand, so the light here kindled hath shone unto many yea in some sort of our whole nation let the glorious name of jehovah have all the praise with that you are a small family but out of these small beginnings we can be a great nation once again thank you heather arlene thank you so much for your encouragement your testimony and for being a resource for homeschoolers i really appreciate you God bless you and your work. Thank you so much. As always, if you're looking for additional resources or support, you can visit our website at principalacademy.com, check out our shop and our blog, and you can also find us on Facebook at Christian Homeschooling with Bible Principles, also on Instagram under Principal Academy. Thanks so much for joining us. All right. Well, this is Heather Hall. And this is Brian Hall. For Christ and His glory. <laughs>